Welcome to How to Feel. I'm Anastasia Holland, and these are words and stories on what it feels like to be human. Hey, hey, welcome to episode five of How to Feel. And today's episode, we're going to be talking all about how to feel your ancestors with Lisa Nagel. In the beginning of the pandemic, I was hit with some serious anxiety. There was so much uncertainty. Would we survive? Is this the end of the world? As I sat with my fear, one thought kept me grounded and anchored. My ancestors have survived pandemics, and I will too. This is not the first time humans have gone through something like this. I knew I wanted to have my friend Lisa on the podcast to talk all about connecting with our ancestors, especially in uncertain times. Lisa is an inherited trauma resolution coach and ancestral healing guide who works with highly sensitive women who want to be free, who want to feel vibrantly alive in their self-expression, their relationships, and careers. She believes in gentle bravery, radical love, in transformation that lasts and that our stories aren't over yet, that everything is still possible. You can find Lisa's work at www.wildsensitivesouls.com. Lisa has such a calming and reassuring perspective on the current world events and connecting with our ancestors. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I'm super excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. So the reason I wanted to have you on was I've been hearing from a lot of friends and clients and just out in the internet that a lot of people are feeling their ancestors right now as we're facing this global pandemic. And I'm curious, since you are someone who's deeply connected to their ancestors and that's tied to the work that you do, why you think that is like why are the ancestors more present and what has been your experience with this mm-hmm. i think that's so beautiful first of all that everybody's like feeling their ancestors <laughs> more i think it's kind of what we need because there's this sense of like aloneness even though we're in it together in some way but i think we're all having very human experiences of whatever is happening so i think why that is happening is kind of because our ancestors have also gone and like survived or, you know, really been immersed in moments in time when there was so much suffering, when there were pandemics, when there were famines, when there were wars. So like the suffering, the struggle that we're in right now is very familiar to them. So I really feel like there is this sense of our ancestors just being like, I know I've been there, I'm with you, you're not alone. So I think that is kind of why that is happening because they know this human experience very well. And just like having some extra, hey, we're here. I think it's really helpful and comforting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious just what your ancestors have told you during these times and what 
what's kind of come through as messages and wisdom for what we're going through. Yeah, I think the first day really hit everywhere around me. I was I was talking to my ancestors and really just like bringing this like big bucket of just I'm terrified. I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. What is my next step? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? What is what is the right way in air quotes to do with this? And my ancestors were so sweet. I remember one of mine, she was just standing across from me and she was just like, we're not afraid. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're not afraid. Okay. I'm just like, even saying this, I have like goosebumps because it really was the sense of, okay, they're not afraid. And they've done and lived and seen so much stuff that if they're not afraid, maybe I can like borrow or like lean on some of that, that trust that there will be another side to this. And they don't know what the other side of this will look like. And we don't, but just like knowing that there will be another side, like we will get there and we might have to do or a lot or not do a lot to get there, but there will be another side that, you know, is waiting for us at some point. And that just kind of felt so reassuring, just kind of gave a little peace when everything felt so chaotic and out of control. And some like other messages that you've like given me is just like the sense of rest is safe. And I know that a lot of us don't necessarily like, this is not like an instinctual, oh yeah, right, rest is safe. But it's like something that maybe we're learning or like there's a chance to learn right now if that is possible for us. And just like these little, little ways in which we can see that they are here, that they're supporting us out in nature or just by something that we see, we're like, oh yeah, that feels comforting. And just kind of having a sense of them sending us these little reminders that there's hope or that we will make it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think there's a lot of just language out there and messages of just like hashtags of like notes from the apocalypse or like mm -hmm. the world is ending. And for so many of us, because we haven't gone through something like this personally in this life, <laughs> um, it does feel like, well, is the world going to end? Yeah. And um, something that has helped me from hearing from my ancestors and also just from myself mm -hmm. and talking with friends is that like, this actually isn't the end of the world and like we will get through and there will yeah. be another side to this. And um, yeah, something I wanted to talk about is that all of us, I believe, have ancestors who survived the 1918 oh, yes. flu pandemic. And they went yeah. through this with far less technology, far less resources. Exactly. And exactly. Um, I'm curious, have you heard like direct messages about that or have they been more general? It's been more general. Yeah, because I don't know. It was just like this this overall sense of like big struggling times that affected like everybody all yeah. around the world, and so I think it's just really this thing of the resilience that we have in our bones. That's just it's there, even if we can't, if we don't know it or we can't feel it just yet, or we can't, we don't acknowledge it. It's still there because they've been through these really horrific things where there were no resources, where everybody was just kind of like trying to make it with like no guidance or no, no rules or structures or any, I guess, experts on how to deal with it. And yeah. they made it through and they survived so that we could be here today. Yeah. And I think that is pretty, pretty incredible. But I have a lot of clients whose 
who actually have knowledge and like photos or like newspaper articles of their families passing in that flu. So that is just like, wow, obviously that would affect us a lot if we have direct knowledge of this flu, you know, killing a lot of our, our ancestors. Yeah. So I think there's another layer that if we have that, there's like another layer of like trauma responses that happens or that I see happening in my clients, like another layer of anxiety or just being completely frozen and not knowing how, how to, how to even get back to like a sense of softness or movement or just having the complete opposite, just wanting to like push everything away and be like denial and like flighting all of this. So I think it was very interesting like I don't know if my ancestors were um, directly affected by that flu so yeah you can just speak from like the experience I have with my clients around this so yeah yeah I, I actually just worked with a client recently who had an article of her a great grandma who survived it yeah. and she lived to being she almost died during the flu pandemic and then lived to be 98 and um, after yes. and just she had that article on her altar and of just mm-hmm. strength in her family lineage around this. Yeah. And, um, oh, that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, something I wanted to talk about is, you know, there's the peaceful, more reassuring experience of our ancestors during this time. And then yeah. there's also the inherited trauma piece that mm-hmm. we have imprints of, this happening in the past and maybe not even just imprints from pandemics, but imprints from world crises, you know, and uh, I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit about what inherited trauma is and um, just signs that it might be showing up for people in this moment. Yeah. 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 So inherited trauma is basically a violation or a wound or some kind of kind of trauma that one or mostly just a lot of our ancestors have experienced in their lifetime and that was never resolved never repaired there was never a chance for it to heal or come to a peaceful place and so these things get energetically but also throughout dna just get passed down one generation after the other and then they kind of end up in our bodies our energy bodies physical bodies and so there's like so many different ways it can show up. But I think especially in crisis, it's this, this overwhelming sense that our experience, our felt sense of what's happening is kind of out of proportion, like even worse than we thought it would be. Like if we're in despair, but we're feeling, wow, this despair is so deep, I can't even see anything else. Or I'm so depressed. I don't know if this will ever, ever, ever end. Or I'm so anxious. I can't even function. I can't, I can't take care of myself. I can't do anything. I'm basically just frozen in time. So whenever there's like a, a sense of something being like beyond stuck, I think if we've experienced depression or anxiety or anything like that before, there's always this sense that at some point there's a little bit of wiggle room or a little bit of hope. But if there is this sense of, oh my God, it's so stuck, it's so, so heavy, it's so, so big, that that can be an indicator that there is like a big traumatic imprint around that in your lineages from your ancestors. Yeah. Um, Could you talk a little bit about like a traumatic imprint and what that is? Okay, (laughs) sure. (laughs) Traumatic imprint is basically anything that 
left our ancestors in a state of fight, flight, freeze response. So there was never a sense of being safe or being able to be okay at some point. It has a sense of like impossibility, of just tunnel vision, of being out of options, of just having no, no possible good outcome to anything. Does that, is that what you're, what you're, what you're yeah, looking for? Totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm curious, have you seen, because you work with clients around mm-hmm. this, have you seen common themes that have been showing up um, yes. with this new stressor of having yeah. a pandemic? Yeah. It's actually very interesting. So there's like two, two sides to this. So one, one side of ancestors is very like, disappearing almost so it's very hard to reach them especially the ones who are traumatized there's like almost this layer of like protection that they're putting up so that we are not we're not able to commune with them in the way we used to or we we want to maybe there's like really the sense of you can't know me because there's so much happening for you already Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put mine on that as well yeah other side that is really just kind of thriving as things are finally being seen and being heard and they're like okay now that it's seen now it's heard now that we're crying the tears we were never able to cry that brings me peace and so now I can support you so it's like these two extremes almost like there's at the moment there's not a lot of like middle ground which is like oh there's something here and something there but it's more like these two extremes that are kind of showing up yeah I, I love what you said because it kind of indicates that what we move through us personally in our lives Mm -hmm. benefit our ancestors and then it's healing that we're doing for our past lineage and then for the future. And um, that the more we feel or experience, or if that's the experience we're supposed to have right now, the the easier it is to access them is kind of what I was getting. Mm -hmm. Um, For those in the camp that, they feel like I have so much going on personally, like my ancestors, I have, that feels so far away. Um, But they want to connect with that wisdom as another tool of like Mm -hmm. regulating during times of fear. What are some things that you do with the clients that are in that camp um, to find that? Yeah. So I think, first of all, I think the big thing in time, this time is basically that any self-care is ancestral care. Yeah. So whatever we do to take care of ourselves as best as we can will benefit our ancestors. So even if we just like eat one thing a day that we feel like, like, oh my God, it's nourishing my body, that will help our ancestors' bodies kind of also be nourished and be a little more at peace. So whatever we're doing to you know, hold ourselves in this time or be really compassionate towards ourselves. That also kind of passes down the line and reaches our ancestors. And then what I also like to do or like like to suggest is just these really tiny mini things to do because we're so overwhelmed. We don't need another thing that feels like impossible to do or like we don't have the materials for it or just feels too too out of this world. And so it's just like these mini rituals to bring a sense of intention, a sense of even if I can't hear them or feel them in the way I want to feel them or experience them, 
there's still something I'm doing to honor that connection, even if I can't feel it or see it right now. So one of the things that I love to do that I've been doing every day and that I kind of just pass on to everybody is just like having like a couple minutes a day, lighting a candle and just kind of speaking a blessing of this light is for my ancestors, for my well ancestors. So if there is this thing of, oh my God, I feel like so many of my ancestors are so traumatized. They cannot, they cannot support me right now. Yeah. Just having this little bit of my well ancestors in there because our well ancestors are those that are at peace, they're healthy, they're like super vibrant and just ready to support us and hold us and care for us during this time. So most of the time that is a good is a good way to put it into the blessing, just being like this light is for my well ancestors. May they find me, may they know me, may they hold me. May they just really take good care of me and may they let me know I'm not alone. And just may I honor their life by living my life as best as I can, whatever that might look like today. So having just like this overall kind of just offering into the world, offering to the cosmos, to our ancestors, and just seeing if we get anything back that we can hear or access at the moment. Yeah. I love that. I find that for a lot of people and for myself, the ancestors that we know personally, they can be a little more triggering because like we know their yeah. trauma more closely or yeah. we've experienced their trauma yes. on us <laughs> in actual life. Yes. Um, and we can not want to go there. But I know I've talked to you previously that most of the ancestors you connect to, you don't yeah. know. And yeah, um, exactly. some of them you've never seen a picture of, don't even know their names. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, can you speak to that a little bit? Because yes. I think a lot are in the camp that they don't want to connect exactly. with people in their yeah. family because yeah. it's painful. And mm-hmm. I love the practice of these ancestors beyond just yes. that smaller cosm of ancestors yeah. that we know personally. Yeah, I think that is so important to just kind of have like this bigger picture that would come from these super, super, super long lines yeah. of, of humans, of elders. And I really am always a supporter of just going for what feels the easiest. So sometimes when we want to connect with our ancestors, we're like, okay, I can picture all the ones that I actually know, like grandparents, great grandparents, maybe, but they don't feel safe. And then oftentimes we have this sense of, but if I can't see them, like if I don't know what they look like, how will I connect to them? Like, I don't know how to do that. So what I just suggest and like, you know, kind of, you know, I guess just let it, let it be is to be like, just imagine like the most loving, wonderful grandparent, even if you didn't have it, just like, what would be like the ideal, most loving, soft version of a grandparent you could ever imagine. And then having the intention of just calling forward like an elder spirit that is really well and happy and healthy. Because I think it helps a lot of people just have like this image of man, this is like most loving grandmother or grandfather or just elder without gender is just coming forward and just helping me. And like, they seem so wise and they've, they've survived all, survived all of these things. I think that can just really help. And honestly, I have this like deep sense and I've talked to my ancestors about this a lot that it doesn't really matter to the spirit what we see them as, as long as they're able to support us. Yeah. So don't have a like visual of some, some ancestor if we have a felt experience of, oh, when I just like have this intention of my well ancestors, my whole body just kind of feels a bit more safe or feel really warm in my feet or 
I'm noticing when I have this intention, I look at all the plans around me. Just like knowing that there's so many different ways our ancestors communicate with us and want to get in touch with us. And now we really don't have to reach for the ones closest to us at all if that doesn't feel safe or right or just not something that feels supportive enough. Yeah. As you're speaking, I'm just thinking a lot of about trauma resolution work, which is like mm -hmm. imprinting a new experience yes. that isn't a traumatic one and mm -hmm. using our ancestral line as an ability to uh, to do that, which I know is the work that you do, but yeah. it's all clicking in my head. <laughs> I like, love it. <laughs> and I would imagine that doing that with more faceless, nameless ancestors would then allow us to feel like we have the capacity to then face yeah. the ancestors that it may feel more painful. Exactly, um, exactly. Because yeah. they are also like the, the well ones, they're also holding a lot of the weight of the work. Yeah. So it's never, we're not alone in it anymore. Once we have yeah. like an elder on the other side that we really feel we can trust. And I think also what is so beautiful that when we, when we get to meet any of our well ancestors, there's a sense of, oh my God, this is how well we can be this even though this is like maybe there's like a lot of trauma in between me and them that blueprint of just goodness and peace and abundance and medicine is still living inside of me it's just covered up by all of this stuff so i think just having that feels so just well like when i first like did all of this i was like wow even though i can't feel it but if this is my ancestor and they have all of this medicine, then I have that too. Yeah. And I felt so beautiful and somehow really hopeful. Yeah, totally. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit of like how we have ancestral trauma um, and how that happens that we are affected by the emotional experiences of um, family members who we've never even met. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's like two different kind of ways of explaining how we get inherited trauma. So there's the energetic imprint of just like the energies of unresolved trauma just kind of living in our bodies. And because we are already present in our grandmother's bodies in um, the womb, <clears throat> when our mother's in the womb of our great, of our grandmother and yeah. so forth. So that is like a way of like energetically passing down stress, PTSD, all of those things. Then there's also the other side of everything that's like epigenetics. And it's kind of hard to explain this on like a podcast where nobody yeah. can see without like a model to like show things. Yeah. But basically in our DNA, we have certain genetic tags and markers that are either getting turned on or turned off depending on a lot of factors that are not 100% clear yet. There's still yeah. a million studies being done, but it's basically almost seems random as in like, there could be um, twins and they have very different ways of coping with the world or being in the world. One of them can have a lot of inherited trauma and the other is basically just like coping with life, just fine. So the epigenetic markers are basically like a light switch. Mm. They kind of get turned on or turned off and that kind of alters the software of our bodies. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like the, that's like the easiest way I can explain it. Yeah, because that, that puts another perspective on like top of just the behavioral ex perspective yeah. of like, well, of course, if 
this family member has trauma, then they raise these kids and then these kids yes, raise exactly. these kids and we have these experiences yes. that are passed down, but yeah. siblings have totally different reactions exactly. and uh, yeah. manifestations of that experience. Yes. And I think what's like a really interesting thing is that um, they've done all of these studies around um, women who had really traumatic experience while they were pregnant or right before or right after. And basically once they've developed PTSD, most of the time their children were not able to produce the stress hormone at all. So that means that when the stress hormone isn't there, the body can't regulate after a stressful event. So they oftentimes had like really like chronic health issues, anxiety, depression, secondary PTSD, and it just wasn't able to kind of resolve itself until there is a healing that happens for that lineage, for that inherited trauma. So I think there's like so many interesting things. Like even if people just like Google cherry blossom study, there was a study done around fear and inheriting fear and it's mind blowing. So yeah that's a big one um yeah just having a fearful parent can <laughs> really yes. yeah yes, exactly yeah. yeah um i want to talk a little bit and about healing this trauma which we've talked a little bit about but I, one of your perspectives that i love is um it's like science plus psychology plus or like body-based trauma resolution yeah plus magic. And I feel like one thing you really advocate for and move forward with is, is the magic component. Um, yes. Just by the nature of the work that you do, you know, it's inherently magical. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. And um, can you talk about the importance of that um, yes. in trauma resolution? Because when we, you know, just, there's a lot on trauma right now online and it's mm-hmm. a lot of information, a lot of facts, a lot mm-hmm. of science, there's yeah. a lot talked about in the somatic realm too, yeah. um, but not so much of it, just how important magic is and ritual and mm-hmm. connection to something beyond this yeah. current reality. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think what we all have to kind of remember if we like tap into our like bodies, our family trees, we will see that at some point we go back so far in time to a time when humans were just super connected to the earth when being in ritual, being in a really deeply respectful way with one another was so normal. And I believe that this, this yearning or this longing for that lives in our ancestral bodies, that there's just this sense of craving a thing that we cannot fill with anything else, with no information, with no facts, with nothing, but the actual participation in some kind of ritual or mystery. And sometimes even like the simplest act of reading a fairy tale and just reading stories from a really long time ago can give us a sense of, oh yeah, I remember that. Like there's a remembering in our body when we, when we, ha- when we tune to and lean into any magic, any mystery, any ritual practices, because it really helps our ancestral bodies feel a sense of safety and of coming home again. Yeah. when we're all just like doing all the outside world stuff and just like running around and taking in all of this information, we forget that all of the wisdom that we ever needed was already within us and that all the medicine that we need to kind of care for our wounds is already present. And sometimes a ritual or some kind of other magical practice can just help 
unearth that or reconnect us to that. And so I think there's all of these little subtle ways in which ritual can really be deeply kind of profound in the healing of trauma. Yeah. And, you know, just thinking of what we're currently experiencing in the world is, I mean, I believe it's like death is kind of looming over us or not kind of, it is. Um, is. And for most people, the fear is the fear of death, whether Mm -hmm. of ourselves or our loved ones. And it's, it's hard to soothe that fear, I believe, without Mm -hmm some sort of connection to some sort of spiritual understanding, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why ancestors are so soothing is that, Mm -hmm. you know, we've died and we're okay, you know, and yeah, you will be too. And Mm -hmm. we've, we've lost others and we're okay, you know? Yeah. 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 I think this is also something about my ancestors that feels really accessible. Like I have, I grew up Catholic and that was the whole thing. And I don't know, but for me, in times of crisis, a lot of times a higher power felt out of reach. Yeah. Like just so far away, like sure, power looking over me, yes, but there was never a sense of actual personal, like deeply personal connection. So when I kind of returned to my ancestors and like realized that there's so much, so much there, it really was the sense of, oh, they were human. I am human. They know exactly what this is like. There will never be any shaming, any, oh, just get over it or just rise to the occasion or, you know, just yeah. say something. It's always like this thing of, yeah, yeah, of course you're angry. Of course you, you're really terrified. Of course you, you are really, really sad. And that is just so permission giving that I think that our ancestors are such like refuge. Yeah because we can just be human with them there's we don't need to pretend totally I mean as you're saying that I'm like the spiritual community that we see online (laughs) we need to do like kundalini yoga and cacao ceremonies and all the things which is those things are fine but um there's something grounding of just ancestors who have lived life and yes can you can just have a human conversation with and that's a spiritual experience and one thing I love about you is um so much of the way you connect with your ancestors is through the earth and through earth connection Mm -hmm. and I I also think that's another resource that because I feel like it is hard to conceptualize a really big higher power and yeah and that comes with a lot for all of us just for religion and whatnot Mm -hmm. and the earth is such a thing that is yeah here and I always say to my clients when we're exploring the fear of death that one thing we know for sure is like we'll return back to the earth like we will go back there and that can be really soothing and Mm -hmm. could you just speak to a little bit of why the ancestors are in the earth or able we're able to access them yeah via nature Yes, I think there's like the ancestors and earth kind of have, have a thing in common. It's like this deep, steady trust that all yeah. seasons are valid, that everything is a cycle. There's a rhythm to everything. Even if we can't see it, the sun will rise again. The seasons will come. Like there is this mystical rhythm that, you know, science is trying to explain and has explained in a lot of ways. But I feel like there's always going to be a mystery to all of that. And also just like thinking that our ancestors have walked where we're walking. Yeah. Like even if there's like layers of, I don't know, 
um, was the word, the thing on the street. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the, the crosswalk? <laughs> yeah. oh, whatever. Like, oh, the pavement. That's pavement. the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Even if there's pavement, like underneath that, there is a layer of earth and soil and rock yes, and all of yeah, those yeah. things. And our ancestors have walked there. And basically everywhere, wherever we walk, there has also been death and the earth has still recovered. The earth is flourishing in some places. Yeah. So I think just like having this, I guess, acknowledgement of the seasons, of the rhythm of life, of life and death, of decay, of beginning again, of sun rising, the sun setting, how we're all kind of just part of that ecosystem. And that, that really, if we touch the earth, it is steady. It will yeah. not let us go. It will not, we will not drop into the center of the earth by pushing in it. Yeah. So I think there's just like this, this thing that when we actually like put our full weight on some little spot somewhere outside that we are held yeah. and that our ancestors kind of speak to us through the earth yeah. and through birds or through feathers or through something that we see. Yeah. And I also think there's just like this inherent connection between the ancestors and the earth because there was this really reverent way of being with one another, of taking and then of offering something back. Yeah. And so I think just all of these different ways is kind of how they interconnect and how they both can hold us so well in times totally. of crisis. Totally. Yeah. As you're speaking, I'm just reminded of, um, I did research on like our city and our county where we are right mm -hmm. now, like what that was like during the 1918 pandemic yeah. and like oh. how they just moved through it, you know, mm -hmm. and that could, it was a really grounding practice for me. And mm -hmm. I read today in the paper or in the New York times that the mayor of LA, Los Angeles is reading about how people handled the 1918 pandemic wow. to learn from what worked for them and then what yeah. didn't. And yeah. uh, I don't know, I was just reminded of that as you were speaking that like, mm -hmm. even where you're living, they have gone through, the town yes. as a whole has gone through this. Like yes. people lived here and did that and went through mm -hmm. what we're going through right now. Mm -hmm. exactly. And the earth around you too. So yeah, I think that feels so reassuring. And I was just like thinking about this earlier today. And what also came to mind is kind of this thing that if we feel our ancestors, our own ancestors are so far away, like we can't reach them, to have a practice to kind of connect with the ancestors just of place. Yeah. So like even if you live in an apartment and you're like in a high-rise building, there's still spirits that are living there in like yeah. the your space your place on this on the like planet earth so just even for that just having little offerings of food to share or a bowl of water or just like having that candle dedicated to them once a day just like have a little something and the thing was also sometimes so interesting i don't know if you've ever like experienced this too but like the sense of rituals have to be big otherwise they don't work yeah and yeah. like we have to have all of these things that yes. we've never had before because <laughs> otherwise it doesn't work. What I've really found is that the only really when, when rituals are doable, when they're possible for us in whatever time we're in, that is the only time they will work. Like if yeah. we're doing something that's totally undoable for us, it is not going to have the same soothing, comforting effect it has when we're actually just doing something that's possible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, all for small rituals. <laughs> yeah, like even just lighting a candle while you make dinner to honor exactly. to honor your ancestors. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Small things are good. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I'm just curious if you could speak a little bit to how just inherited trauma resolution has helped you and shifted things for you and um, what you've seen that it's done for your clients. Yeah. I think my, my life personally, I think it's nothing like it was before. Yeah. Like I can really see like this line in the sand that was drawn the second I, I started doing this work myself and nothing has been the same. Like so many things that were such deep burdens, just like having such deep anxiety all of the time, just kind of seeing that melt away in the most gentle way that didn't shock me or my system, that didn't frighten me, that just felt like, okay, sure, yeah, I can let that go a bit more now, a little bit more now, and seeing it just melt away and just loosen up and seeing myself being able to kind of stand more in the gifts than in the the trauma imprints of my lineages it has just been so I don't know humbling in a way and just yeah. so I don't know, always get goosebumps and like teary-eyed because it's it feels so big there's sometimes not even words to put all of that you know out into the world for others to understand yeah but I feel like there's so many ways things shift and change just like this deeper sense of belonging like all of my clients are usually like you know, I don't feel this inner fight with myself anymore. Yeah. I just feel at peace. My body feels safer than it's ever felt before. And just like all of these seemingly little things that make our lives what they are. Yeah. Like a, a bigger possibility to love someone and to be loved, like fully, wholeheartedly, without, you know, all the imprints around neglect or of worthiness or just having a sense of, I just don't belong. I am an alien in this world. But like all of these different ways in which we can all be a little more home. I think that is like the big, big theme, just having a sense of deeper being at home in yourself with others, the world. And just through that, just being able to be braver and more, I guess, curious too, and just a little more trusting in the whole process of things. Totally. Yeah. You know, what I love about it is like so often in therapeutic work or even a lot of trauma resolution is this very like I focused, like you Mm -hmm. and your coach Mm -hmm. or your therapist. And there's a place that uh, I find a lot of people can find themselves in and I have as well as just loneliness of like working on yourself all the time and being like, I'm safe within my, with me and my therapist, but I don't Mm -hmm. feel safe out there. And I think- that I think the next wave of trauma resolution work, and I feel like you're doing this, is like getting people outside of just yeah. that that yeah. therapeutic container because that's where we really start to get new imprints is like yes. through the magic and the ritual with the earth yes. the ancestors or through safe community or through um, nourishing mm-hmm. work, you know, mm-hmm. and I love that. So yeah. that your yeah. your work is like, a lot of it is in a one-on-one context, but it already includes like more yeah. people within it. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense because I think there is this, like you said, this place when we first start any of trauma resolution work, it's like, this is the only way I'm safe. But when we include our ancestors, there's already a huge group yeah. of spirits. It's just like, oh yeah, sure. You're safe with us too. You can like bring all of your stuff. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's just like, that is feels so reassuring that sometimes when we go into the world, as we do this work, we're like, 
we're not alone in this. Like yes. I can feel all of them having my back. I will be fine no matter what comes. Yeah. So I think that is like, yeah, it's like this beginning of healing in community or in a sense of community. Yeah. And that, that imprint of like, I'm alone and will always mm-hmm. be alone, I think affects mm-hmm. so much. So oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I really think like that, that deep loneliness, I definitely had this before this work. And it was almost like this egg, the egg was too big of the loneliness. I was like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. But once you crack, like, <laughs> like, like, this is just normal. <laughs> yeah. Right? Once you like, crack like the shell of that little egg of like loneliness, it's like, oh my God, I'm so lonely all of the time. And just like having kind of this, the ancestors kind of be a soothing balm to all of that. And then knowing that they've had each other and they've figured out their ways and how to be in community. I got this too. Like if they've got it, I've got it because I carry all of their stuff in me. Yeah. The the medicine. So yeah. Yeah. I love that even just in light of these times, because this is a virus of, I mean, it's showing us how connected we are, but then we have to be alone and Mm -hmm. people are passing alone and Mm -hmm. many people are alone in their houses and Mm -hmm. just the reminder that we aren't alone, you know, because I think that's one of the biggest fear points for a lot of people is like I will have to be so alone you know so Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. like what for me personally what what I've seen in my own family when people have passed away not from this but from a lot of other things is that the moment before somebody dies there's always a sense of aloneness not necessarily loneliness but just aloneness in space to be able to let go of the human human body basically And for me personally, I just imagine really like all of the ancestors just right there. They're like welcoming everybody with wide open arms. Yeah. And I think that feels so comforting to me. And even if that's different when I get there and maybe this is not what it will look like, but just having right now this belief, this trust that that is what it's like. I find that very comforting for me. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, Lisa, I'm going to just transition into some like semi rapid fire questions. <laughs> I've loved all of this so far. Um, feel free to answer them as slow or fast as you'd like. Great. Um, you answered some of them before. So, Great. what's your favorite way to feel your feelings? Mm, probably singing at the moment like, cool. and dancing. That feels really good. Like, putting on a song that I can just fully like build on and that's great. Or like a song that feels like if I move my body to this, I can like be with the tenderness or the anger or whatever emotion I have. I think those two things right now. I love that. Yeah. What does your inner child love to do the most? Hmm. That's a good question. I think right now, just like looking at all of the like budding trees and we just be like, in awe of all of it and just remembering like oh my god look at this flower I wasn't there yesterday yeah. and just like playing with my dog right now is like in our child heaven fully completely. I love yeah. that yeah <laughs> when do you feel the most alive I think in nature but also just like being in really quiet communion with my ancestors, like every night before bed, I do lighting the candle thing, just like sitting there and like this deep quiet when the world is really quiet, when the house is quiet, just feels so precious. And I can notice all of the 
the beauty of being alive, even when it's hard. Yeah, I love that. If someone were to come and ask you, how do I feel better? What would you say? I think right now, <laughs> it would probably be speaking to yourself really kindly. Yeah. And I've really noticed that that is so hard. Like I had a day where I was like, oh my God, it's so hard to speak to myself in a loving way. But to just really be like, of course you would be so overwhelmed right now. That makes yeah. so much sense. Or of course you're sad. Shit, it's hitting the fan. And yeah. so many people are losing their lives. It's okay to be sad. I'm here with you. Your tears are sacred. I'm just like having this affirmation of my feelings or anyone's feelings, really. I think this is how we can just hold ourselves a little more softly right now. Yeah. Maybe that that makes people feel a bit better. Yeah, I love that. Well, where can we find you and your work? And do you have anything that's coming up or going on right now that we yes. should look out for? Yeah, so you can find me on my website, wildsensitivesouls.com or on Instagram, wildsensitivesouls. And I have a free resource guide around kind of connecting with our ancestors during times of crisis or just times of uncertainty, really. And I also have weekly virtual ancestral ritual and dance circles that are really beautiful, just kind of help all of us connect a bit more and kind of maybe entertain the possibility that we're really not alone right now. I love that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Lisa, for being here. And I've really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Me too. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of How to Feel. If you want to stay updated on the release of future episodes, go ahead and subscribe. And if you like the podcast, I would so appreciate a review. For all other information about my work, about upcoming events, about the podcast, you can head to www.anastasiaholland.com and also come hang out with me on Instagram at Anastasia Holland. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week.